Turtle Tracks podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker, and I'm here with Peter DiCicco, who was one of the writers on the 2012 series. Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Great. So, as much as I'd like to start in the beginning here, I have one question. What happened to Pigeon Pete? In that cartoon. I don't like to talk about Pigeon <laughs> <laughs> Was there any sort of revelation as to what that was? Um, you know, I, 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 I like to leave that up to interpretation. I will, I will say this is just because it did, it didn't make it in the show, but there was a version of the, the, where at the end of, uh, I guess it would be the end of season three and it was repeated again in season four, but basically like there was a version where, you know, Pigeon Pete was one of the casualties in that battle with the Triceratons. Okay. But technically, we didn't see it. So, and he does. You do. I think you do see him like fly away at the end with the rest of them. Oh. Um, and I, I, you know, I think it, it, it's like the 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 real world explanation is it's we just had so many characters, and after we added, you know, we wanted to keep bringing Mondo Gecko back, and after we added him, to oh yeah, well, it just got to be like one too many characters. So it was just we thought it would be just be a funny way to be like, well. You know, something happened to Pigeon Pete. You know, he could be out on vacation. He could have, you know, not made it in the last battle. It, it's I, I like to leave that up to the, the, the fans' interpretation. Um, I, I know Zero and Brandon have their own ideas as to, like, what really happened to Pigeon Pete. But uh... <laughs> it was so teased. And it was like, I was like, wait, oh, they must reveal the joke. And then we never got it. And I was like. Oh my god! They never told us what happened to Pigeon Pete. Uh, yeah, that, that was that was that was intentionally just kind of like left up to interpretation. Just and you know, and like I said, it was just because we're like, well, let's you know, we wanted to keep using other characters, and it was just getting hard to use that that many characters at once. And I think Pigeon Pete just had to be you know, just because of voice cast and asset wise, and he just became like a you know an unfortunate casualty of you know being on a you know uh, kids cable budget show. Uh. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I was like, I, and, you know, think about it with Mondo, like, you know, for funny but also completely useless character, like, he does kind of, I understand why Mondo would get the preference, you know? Yeah, and, it's, and that was the thing, is like, I think having both Mondo and Pigeon Pete there at the same time would be like, well, we have two characters that are basically fulfilling the same function, it's yeah. just like the, like the stupid comedy relief, and it, it just, you know, it just didn't work out. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, so mystery so, so, not so, solved. So feel, fans, feel free to speculate away on however you want Pigeon Pete to have, to have ended uh, his relationship with the Mutanimals. That's awesome. <laughs> so, well, so then with that out of the way, I, I, what, tell me a little about yourself. Like, did you? How did you get into Turtles? Uh, become part of the show and all that. Uh, I mean, I, I sort of like you know a lot of a lot of people did as, as a fan. Like, I was uh, you know I grew up in you know with the '80s show, um, and actually that my first exposure to Turtles was actually the 1990 movie. Hmm. Uh, that was the first time I, I really had like seen I I'd known about it, but I never really like seen a, a Ninja Turtles anything until then. Uh, and I just I just you know I loved the movie, and I was like, well, I got to see more of this. And then I started checking out the cartoon. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was a huge fan of the, the, the show from way back. And then when, uh, Nickelodeon, you know, uh, rebooted the series, I was, uh, I, I was working at, at Nick at the time as an executive assistant and I was like, well, I want to move over to production anyway and I want to be a writer. So let me find a way to get on that show. And, uh, I was lucky enough to just, you know, 
uh, use the connections I knew to get an interview um, with uh, with the line producer and production manager, and they hired me as a as a PA, and uh, yeah, there off I went. Like within uh, the first couple of months, the the script coordinator at the time, uh, uh, Cindy Smackman, who I uh, was friends with, uh, well, I'm still friends with, um, but uh, at the time she was the script coordinator, and then I um, she got promoted. Uh, she got promoted to staff on another show, uh, and then she recommended me to take over as script coordinator there. And then, you know, the rest is history. I was just, you know, script coordinator from there on out till uh, uh, season five when I got promoted full time to staff. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, so that was that's my journey. Uh, it was it's actually it's it's you know it it's one of those things where you know everyone you know asks you know uh, uh, you know everyone and I've always asked this question it's like well how do you break into the industry how do you get a writing job how do you go from here to here and it's like well honestly like you know most of it is just luck and being in the right place at the right time and being ready for when an opportunity arises and that's kind of what happened it's yeah it's really easy to be like well I you know I did this and I was working at Nickelodeon and you know I knew the script coordinator and then she recommended me and then I got got there and then I got a script and then I got promoted and it's it, it, seeing the path from you know in hindsight is really easy to see how that happened but it was you know at the time it was all just like random happenstance now so your first episode you wrote was uh metalhead rewired which is um the episode where metalhead dies so can you uh tell us a little bit about yeah. that one uh, yeah I still get crap for that oh really <laughs> Yeah, I mean, lovingly. I mean, no one really hates me, but it was definitely uh, <laughs> my my debut became the. Yep, this is the guy that's gonna kill everybody in this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I that was that was a that was a fun episode. That was a great episode. That was like my first to write. So um, I was really happy that 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 Brandon gave that one to me. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. What, I don't know what I what. Uh, you know, you have in mind that you want me to say about it, but... Uh, oh, yeah, no, I, I just, like, I, I you know, I, I was watching the episode uh, yesterday, and I was, like, I remember thinking at the time, and again now, like, he dies kind of beautifully, and to the point where I was, like, I'm glad they didn't bring him back three episodes later, you know what I mean? Like, it was really a, a meaningful death. Yeah, I thought so, too. It wasn't just, like, he died just for, you know, pathos and to kind of, like, give them pain. I, I you know, I... That's one thing that I, that I liked about how he ended it is he sacrificed himself so that he they could survive. Um, and he's a robot, so you can bring him back. And I, and I always wanted to bring him back, you know, down the line. I, never, I think there was never any intention to bring him back right away. Mm. Um, and uh, I think we never really just got, got to a point where we could tell that story uh, of rebuilding Metalhead. But it would if, if we did, it would have been a few years down the road. And then... Uh, if uh, when you see the um, the the mutant apocalypse story yeah. uh, at the end of of, of tales, uh, then uh, you can see well, you know, at some point in time during that gap between where the last kind of episodes that we see of them in the city and the far future after the apocalypse, it's you know, at some point Donnie had rebuilt him and built like a second version of Metalhead, and then you know he became Metalhead. Um, and that was a little that was a little nod to the IDW comics. Um, oh yeah, which I loved at the time. Yeah, that was that was a that was a great arc, and I was like, oh man, I wish we could have done something like that. But uh, that was that was super dark. That that I think that that comic took the the turtles universe in a way that that we just you know would never have gotten gotten away with. Uh, I think, but it was uh, but it was really cool. Oh, it's brilliant storytelling. And that you know where they 
basically kill Donnie, and then he goes into Metalhead's body. I mean, such a fantastic episode, uh, issue. Oh yeah, no, that was. I mean, that was a shocker too, because I was like, wow, I, you know, I can't believe they actually like killed like like yeah. the the turtles. Like that's never happened before. Like they've you know they've killed Splinter and they've killed Shredder and they've killed like all the, like a lot of the side characters, but they never actually killed one of the turtles before, and that was crazy. Yeah, uh, but yeah, how they handled it, I, think, I thought was really beautiful. But um, uh, but yeah, I, I you know I love I love the Metalhead episode. Um, I uh, I always wanted yeah I always wanted to bring him back, but I never. You know, I couldn't figure out a way to do it, and uh, I don't think you know Brandon and Zero could really figure out a way that that made sense for the story either. So uh, it's probably good that we just you know kind of left it as like, well, that you know he's he's gone, and now we have to you know move on and deal with that. Yeah, it was nice. Like it really made him like matter, which was cool. Like I figured, I, I always figured like, oh, he'll be back, and it was cool. Like really, it doesn't happen until the finale, and then it's even then like, you know, it's only said. I think it said in passing that it was Metalhead. That Donnie's in. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was basically like it, it was kind of a throwaway line where yeah, Donnie says like, oh well, when the bomb went off, like I was psychically connected to to Metalhead Mark II, and yep. that's, that's the only, that was like the throwaway line where we're like, okay, well, the 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 robot version of Donnie is Metalhead Mark II, so somehow at some point he rebuilt him, but we just never got to tell that story. Yeah. So that's uh, that's something for you know for fan speculation and fanfic. You know that's uh, that's all all sorts of stuff that could be done there. <laughs> well, it's cool. It's such a it's such a rich universe. Like there's so many little like if not Pigeon Pete and a bunch of other things. Like and I wouldn't say in a way that's like unsatisfying. There's unanswered questions, but it's like there's a lot. It's a whole world that they created. You know. Yeah, I I, I love it, and it and you know it's uh, the, it, we had a great world to to uh to choose from from what from what had already been done before from the mirage books and and the 80s cartoon and the 2003 series and and uh even some of the stuff that idw did by kind of by the end you know bringing in alpex and that sort of stuff um but then like all of this the way that that you know zero designed the world and really built it out like that was that was just brilliant like there was just so much fun stuff to do what i loved what i loved about writing on it was that you, it was not just like this is the the only way that you can tell a story. There mm. were stories that were like really comical and really you know, and some of them were really serious. And then you'd have like these cool ninja stories and these cool sci-fi stories and all these different genres that we would kind of mix and match and play around with. Which was, you know, I don't think you really get to do in a lot of shows. It's usually, you know, if you have a superhero show, it's usually you know like one uh, you know genre that you have to, to deal with, or or we have a you know comedy cartoon show and you have one you know genre you have to deal with but turtles really kind of like played around with all sorts of things oh yeah i mean and they've kind of done that greatly from the start i mean like i mean just what was it just a couple episodes uh, issues into the original comic they're in outer space i mean like immediately the it all kind of every genre oh, yeah. is possible I mean, they, they 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 you know they really speed ahead really fast because like it's like it's like issue one which is you know it's basically like the size of like two oh yeah issues. So it's like it's like it's like what fifty pages or something like that. It's long, yeah. And, uh, and so it's like issue one, like they have like the entire Shredder arc and they kill Shredder, and then you know issue two is the Mousers and uh, and then Splinter disappears, and then it's like issue four or something like that is when they go to space. Yeah, like, it's quick. It, it's, it's crazy. It's like all, immediately they go to space. And you're like, okay, well, I guess <laughs> yeah, <we're in> space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, like, I like what I like about what the 2012 series did and with idw is that you guys kind of took the best of everything in different ways and like kind of created these really sort of rich universes built on so much turtles history oh yeah thanks 
yeah, I, I, I love the, the, the way we built out the, the world in, in the show. Yeah, I mean, so let me ask you, after writing, you know, you wrote probably about, uh, what, a dozen or episodes, give or take, probably? Yeah, yeah, like, ten, yeah, 10 or 11 episodes, I think. Um, I, have, I have to count them up, but yeah, something like that. Who was your favorite character to write for? Cry. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 100% Cry. She was absolutely my favorite character. She was just always, from the beginning, she was always just so interesting and had had so much just conflict in her and just nuances where you could go where she was, you know, you know, on the side of the bad guys, but she wasn't a bad guy. Uh, you know, like she had like this dark side to her. Um, but you know, it's, you know, it had all this kind of family drama around her and always trying to come into her own as a person, but kind of hampered by, you know, what, you know, you know, her adopted father thought of her, what, you know, her real father thought of her and trying to figure out what her identity was. And, and I, I mean, I think we did some, some great stuff with her. I think there there were some. We did some kind of crappy stuff to to her too. I think along the way. <laughs> oh the oh the <laughs> serpent. <laughs> at a certain point, when you kind of like you're like you know mutating her and 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 you know you know throwing her you know like down the sewers and all that stuff. It's like yeah, you know, it gets to be a bit much. But, uh, <laughs> but but her as a character, she was always a joy to write for. Like I I, I loved every time I got a chance to write for her. Well, I mean, you're. I think your second episode was "Vengeance Is Mine," which is yeah, that, yeah, that a great was one episode. Which was again, like at the end of the episode, I, I basically kind of like you know do the cartoon killer off by mutating her, and so that's that's kind of how I got the mutation of like killing characters off every episode. <laughs> um, but but that and that was like that I loved writing that episode. That was a hard one to write too because it was my initial pitch, initial uh, premise outline was really really long it was like you know it was like basically you know an episode and a half worth of story Mm. uh so it was really hard to kind of pare that down at one point i think you know after i had kind of written it all out like you know i had like this big talk with brandon we're like do we need to break this up into two parts and like which one are you gonna write you know and and Mm. but i think but i think we managed to figure out how to get it down to one episode and even in the episode you you look at it it's it is kind of you know all of our episodes have like this three-act structure and that one kind of has a fourth act because you know it's it's there is like this halfway point where you know she does you know they do escape from the foot clan and they rescue her and then they go back to splinter and there's like there's that midpoint which is kind of like a nice oh i love that the end of a normal episode like yeah like oh there and she's with united reunited with the guys and then there's like a little bit of a you know i i i don't don't really know how much but there's a little bit of a time skip in there where she's there for a certain period of time probably just a couple of days but she's there's definitely like this kind of fade out where it's like okay well she's actually living with them for a little bit of time um and you know and then you kind of continue on with the story and then normally the end of the episode would be like she goes off and she fights the shredder and that's the end of the episode but then there's the whole other chunk where they try to rescue her and she gets mutated um so that was you know that was that that ended up making the, the show uh uh pretty long but um but we got to town to time I mean, all of our episodes air at exactly the same running time um but that was one where the, that was the, one of the first episodes I, I wrote that was like super super long after i had written it and after they boarded it out i was like wow i i kind of put too much in there <laughs> <laughs> that's why I had to start reining myself in, but uh, I think I just wanted to keep keep writing her. But I, yeah, I, I loved her her arc in that, and uh, um, and I, I think I loved it because she she does take the initiative and all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's I, I, I you know to this day I do feel bad about you know mutating her because it is kind of a, a, a you know a crappy thing to happen to her, but it, there 
you know, still at the same time, she is kind of taking the initiative to be like, I need to go after Shredder, and I, I'm making this choice to, to attack him. Um, uh, even though I love that, that's kind of her flaw. I think if she had just, you know, listened to Splinter a little bit, she would have just been like, okay, you know, I'm just going to calm down a little bit. I'm, like, not going to go after Shredder right away, and we're going to think about it a different way to do this, and things might have turned out differently. But but uh, she's a little little bit of a hothead that way, which I, I always liked. Oh, yeah. I mean, that ending is, is heartbreaking. But, I mean, like, I, to me, like, that... That little piece of downtime in the middle, like, is just a beautiful, like, little moment with her and Splinter. Like, it, it and if you think about it now, I, I, I'm just realizing this now, like, that's really the only time that Splinter and his daughter are kind of reunited before he dies. Yeah, that, that's, that, that is kind of, you know, I, I love that moment. And that was, that was a hard thing where it's like, I think there was, there was, when they were editing it, there was a brief discussion about, like, how can we can we trim stuff back and what out of like the training sequence and the conversation can we cut out to kind of just shorten the episode? Uh, not cause it, they weren't working cause they were always working really great, but it was, it was just kind of trying to shorten the episode. And that was a section that, you know, e- you know, everyone was always like, no, we got to keep this because oh, yeah. like the heart of the episode. Um, cause I, yeah, I, I love that. Cause that, that's one of those moments where it just that little training sequence, like after she reunites with them and they have that hug and then there's a little training sequence and you see, like, oh, well, this is them all just living together as a family, and this, like, this could, this could have been like a great, you know, like this is how they should just be from now on. <laughs> like, <this> yeah. Is, <laughs> and and then you know we pop that bubble and take it all away from them. Oh, it's so sad. Like it's it's just like oh, it just it ends so painfully. It's like. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, 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 I still like it pains me every time. I, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did this. It's so it, it hurt so much, but it was it was still really good. I, I love that episode. Where did that idea come from? Did it come from you? No, uh, I mean it came. The idea for of mutating crack, I think, came from Ciro, um, uh, and then the, the mapping out the story was between me and Brandon. So I thought, so uh, basically every episode, it's like Brandon and Ciro would kind of talk to each other and figure out what the episode was going to be about and kind of get a general idea for it. And then Brandon would kind of start mapping out what each episode, the story wise, would be. And so I worked with him on on figuring out exactly what would. You know the beats of the story would, would be, but as, as far as the end game, like her getting mutated, that was that was all zero. Oh wow. So yeah, I mean, like, and then like after that, I mean, I mean, we still got some time before Splinter passes away, but it's just sort of this really hard journey she has up until up until probably the end when she's kind of chilling out with uh, Shinigami. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's really not until you know I I think there's. Uh, yeah, I guess like after they defeat the Triceratons and and you know Cry's kind of like disappeared for half a season, um, you know we always say like oh well she just kind of like you know you know takes a hike and decides to just like just go back to Japan take a vacation for six months while all that nonsense with the Triceratons is happening. Oh yeah. <laughs> And they're like, okay, well, she's 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 broken through that. She's like, I just can't deal with this nonsense anymore. And then after, uh, and there's a little bit of a break after they kind of uh, defeat the Triceratons and and Splinter, you know, injures Shredder, and then uh, that gives us, you know, uh, Karai the opportunity to kind of, all right, I'm going to come back and rebuild the Foot Clan in a in a meaningful way. Um, so there's there's a little bit of a downtime for her, and I think oh, you sure. know that 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 I think was always like fun to add to her character is really kind of bringing in the you know a lot of the mirage origins which was you know she was you know the, you know became the head of the foot clan basically after mm-hmm. you know the original shredder died uh and she you know she took over and that was and that was the version where she wasn't even related to shredder um yep 
I think it was uh, what was it? Was it two thousand three? That was the the first time that she was Shredder's daughter. Is that? I think so. You might um, be right. Yeah. Yeah, because before that she was just basically like his you know, ward his, or something. His heir in the sense that she took over the Foot Clan after him, but she they were never really related. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think in two thousand three was the first time that she was his daughter. And uh, and then we just kind of ran with it. We're like, well, what you know, what if she's Splinter's daughter, and you know, really all this other you know backstory with with Tang Shen and stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, you know, I I always loved you know every time that we got to bring her in, and then introducing Shin Megami was just like a which was really fun. Like she's she was a fun character. Oh yeah, honestly, I I love the um, the twist of her being Splinter's daughter. I think I I think I kind of figured it out. Maybe a handful of episodes before it, it came about. I think it was just like I was like Splinter never had a daughter before, and eventually I was like, I wonder if that's Karai, and it worked out brilliantly. I love that. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm glad you like that. that. That was one of those things that, um, uh, unfortunately, there was like I, I, at the time there was like some kind of like leak, you know. Oh, really? Uh, uh, yeah. Before, before the show came out like an early early version of like the character description somehow got leaked online i have no idea how it happened um and and there was like a version where uh you know i think there there, there was a version where where karai was called miwa um and then it was just very apparent that was like it was split you know but then then when you know i think when they changed the name it was like oh her real name is miwa but she's going by karai then that means that she must be i think oh yeah few fans that figured it out just because of that leak um but there was still like that i think that question mark that i think you know brought people through if you were if nobody had kind of like was aware of that um but uh, but yeah i was trying to planting those seeds early on but but I really like just like playing with the, oh yeah, she's his daughter, and I think and I think we uh, pretty much like right away say like oh yeah, she's Shredder's daughter, and then we don't even reveal that to like you know Leo and the Turtles until a couple episodes later. Um, yeah. uh, I think in, in season one where they're like oh oh I, I thought you were just like you know this other you know like just random person that wasn't related to Shredder, and now you're related to him, and this is like really bad. Right. <laughs> After Leo has this whole relationship with her, trying oh, to be yeah. like, you should, you should join us. You should leave the Foot Clan. Like, uh, dude, he's, she's never gonna do that because that's her dad. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, oh, but you're also kind of her sister, so that's also weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then that happened. That, that was also that was also weird. Uh, that, that that's uh, that, that 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 became a whole like you know like yeah you know, like like fandom like shipping thing where like oh well it it, it they're. They're really brother and sister, but like you know, is it is it really that way? Because like they were adopted, but also like they weren't <laughs> raised together. But I, how does that work? And it's like I like I'm like I'm not touching that. Yeah, and, and ship whoever they want to ship. But I, I like I'm not I'm not touching whether they're 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 biologically compatible or not. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like Splinter's backstory that the that you guys did with that like. In addition to the Miwa thing, but also having, like, when they go back in time and they see young Hamate Yoshi, it's like, he's really, like, not the the kindly guy you'd think he'd be. Yeah, and I and I always like that, like, looking at, because he's, cause, and also he's not a bad guy, he's, mm -mm. you just see him when he's just, like, younger and more reckless, and I, I always like when you have, you know, a character that's held up to be this kind of, this, 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 this paragon, 
that is like they're they, they can't be that perfect like you have to they have to have some flaw and you know obviously if he was perfect then they there would never have been conflict between him and shredder like yep. you have to have like there was a, a reason that that they have this conflict together and there was tension between him and shredder because of tang shen and like neither of them could really let it go until it was too late um and you know i mean i you know i think I, I love our version of Splinter like a lot, so I, I think that you know he you know kind of became who he became because you know because you know he you know that tragedy. But even I I, I love that scene um, in uh, in Tale of the Okai where it's it's right before Sh- you know Shredder confronts him where it's just it's Hamato Yoshi and Tang Shen just kind of on the little balcony of their their house and they have that moment where it's like no like I you know. I've been going really, you know, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he says it's something to the effect of like I've been focusing too much on, you know, the you know the clan, uh, and like and you're right, I you know like you and me are my life, so you know like I choose you, and and it's like and then he has that moment of clarity, like right before, you know, Urukosaki just comes in and be like, all right, I'm I'm calling you out, like you know like we're 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 going, and, and it's like well it's it's, it's too late like there's nothing you can do like it's not like you know like tang shen is her own person she's not just gonna like go to you because you know you challenge him to a duel like this is right <laughs> this isn't like ancient times like where you know you, you can uh they're you know they the you know the, the women don't have any kind of like uh, uh uh choice in the matter like she you know she loves samato yoshi like they like they you know they were having problems because of you know his you know dedication to the clan and she didn't want to bring me up in that violent life it had nothing to do with you dude right <laughs> and he all tries tries to like play like the good guy and be like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna leave the clan for you and be like dude back off <laughs> but i like how he played around with that whereas you really think that oh well maybe shredder's kind of a, a good guy maybe splinter isn't as great as he was but you know i think it in the essence of their characters, like, you know, uh, Hamato Yoshi really always was, like, like you know, like, the, the good one, and, and Rokosaki always was, you know, a little, a little on the bad side, but it's, I do, you know, have that kind of, like, oh, in another world, if they could have just gotten along and put their, their past behind them, that would have been, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool, and you know, also, what I liked about that is you see quite a bit of wrath in young Hamato Yoshi, which I liked. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was cool. Uh, he has that, that hot-headedness that, and, and I think that plays into, you know, going back and watching, uh, you know, the you know, first season of the show, like, you know, when, when Splinter's telling him about, you know, his anger and that's what, what brought him, you know, brought him down and, and you know, Rap needs to master that. You can see that's, you know, Splinter learned that lesson the hard way and that's what he's trying to impart onto, onto his sons. And oh, yeah. You know, like I said, it's that's well, one of the reasons why, like, you know, there's two different origins for Splinter. He's either the rat in the cage, or he's the guy. And as much as, like, it kind of changes the properties of the mutagen or whatever, I kind of prefer him being the guy, because it gives him a richer history. And, like, and like you can do more with that. But I've also, like, I've never quite bought the idea that this little non-mutant rat retained all of this information from martial arts, and then was able to utilize it later like that part of it yeah that, that was always just one of those you know it's it's just like it's comic book logic it's yeah like, oh well yeah it's like he he got smarter and you know became humanoid after the mutagen and he somehow recalled when he was a rat and then he mimicked all of the, yeah 
the ninja skills and it's like oh, all right i mean I, I feel like you 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 know yeah the, the mutagen is inconsistent but it's like it is it is unsta- it is unstable like yeah. you know you know you know magic you know uh uh you know you know you know hand wavium yeah you call them. it's like it's like uh, it kind of does whatever you need it to do for the plot like like that that is a little more acceptable i think to me but uh, you know uh yeah uh, I mean, I think both both ways work in their own way, but I do I do prefer the the Splinter being uh, um, you know starting off as human, just because you have that history. Otherwise, yeah. it's just you know oh well, he's just kind of mimicking what he thought he learned from his human master, which is you know kind of unrelated, and there's not that there's not that kind of connection. I think yeah. um, you know. Uh, I, I think the IDW comics did a, a great job of really flipping that on its head. Which oh, yeah. Is, oh, well, the Turtles and Splinter, you know, started off as Turtles and, and a rat, but they're somehow, with the magic of the mutagen, they're also kind of the reincarnated spirits of this these ninjas from, like, an age past. So I, I, I love that idea that they, that they did. Like, that, I thought that was a fun way to kind of tip that on its head and not be like oh well we're gonna just do the same either he's a rat that gets mutated and he learns from tomato yoshi or he's tomato yoshi and he turns into a rat like i think that was that was a fun way to do that too um but yeah i was i was like that version um yeah there there's some there's some things about like the the rat uh becoming splinter and the rivalry with shredder that uh you know, depending on the version that is told, doesn't always work. I yeah. Think. Um, but you know, I, I, I think that's uh, that's a little bit of, 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 of a you know a preference. But uh, I think I think that's why I like the the nineteen ninety movie works because I mean you know there is that little bit of a rivalry because you know you know Shredder cut off Splinter's ear. He scratched so his face. Yeah. Splinter kind of remembers that. Uh, but also, like, they only have, like, that last scene together, so there isn't, like, this, we have years of history building up to this final battle. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's, okay, well, there here is just, like, this one battle that's, like, it means something to Splinter, and it only means something to, to Shredder just because, like, he just can't let go of the past. Right. Well, I mean, like, I, and, and honestly, and, and, like, and I, I love everything Turtles, but there is nothing I like more than that 1990 movie. That's my very favorite number one Turtles thing, and there's that... But there's still that one moment where you see that little rat puppet doing ninja moves, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, that one I have a little trouble with. Like this. Yeah, it's it's, it's true, and I, I I can I can watch it now, and I can kind of wave my hand and be like, well, you know, that's it's fine because it's a flashback and it's kind of stylized. Okay. Oh, like I, I kind of, I kind of pretend to be like, well, you know, it looks kind of wonky because, you know, partly because of the technology of the time, and partly because, like, well, it's a flashback anyway, and it's done this in this stylized way where you have like all these actors in like with just black backgrounds, and they're kind of like not really in real sets, and it's all mm. uh, slight, slightly off anyway. So I, I kind of like, you know. I can kind of still accept it in that way, but it is still a little. I agree, it's just a little like, oh, that's a little, a little weird. You can tell it's a puppet, but yeah. You know. And I mean, like, in the, that's whereas, whereas when I look at the, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, watch I watched the movie again recently, and 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 you look at that that Splinter puppet. Oh, he's amazing. Uh, that he's amazing. Like, I think the first time I saw it, I didn't. I don't think I quite realized that he was a full puppet. Like, I always thought there was something about him that was like there had to be somebody inside him. Like, no, it's like 
full-on puppet like it's really but the, i mean that's what's brilliant about that first movie is that is that all the all the masks and all the puppets were all done by by henson and oh so, yeah like and, and you can just tell like the just like the budget that they put into that and they made it look really good i thought i i i love that first movie that's i i mean i do think that's probably still my favorite you know piece of turtles as well just because that's the first one that i ever saw and it's it, it it's just so well done oh and like the the detail in those suits i mean that's that's for those who don't know, behind that behind that splinter puppet is Elmo, is Kevin Clash, like controlling every bit of it. Like yeah. that's that's so cool. That and like the to me the puppetry still holds up as being like more real feeling than these newer movies did. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so too. It, it's it, I think CG's gotten to the point where it's become more photoreal, but there's something about just the the tactileness and the interactivity with the the environment that you have in the puppet that's like oh well you it just feels more real like you have there's there's something about it that like you know that it's just a puppet you know intellectually but it also like there's something that the the artist brings brings it to life somehow um whereas like yeah cg characters i think sometimes they're great uh but sometimes you can you know they don't they only work if the person who's animating it or if it's motion capture if the person that's like doing the mocap for it is really doing the performance right mm -hmm. but but otherwise like you're you know building a cg character is is kind of like if just from from ground zero like but but doing a puppet like you have some you know one-to-one -one ratio between like the performance and what the puppet gives out and what's cool is like i feel like i don't know i feel like with thanos and iron man you have these characters that you need to do with cg otherwise you're not going to sell it but like yeah. turtles are pretty grounded they're not like they're not quite as Fantastic! Like they're fantastic in the what they're made, what they are, but like they're not going on such crazy adventures that we can't do puppetry, you know? Well, yeah, and, and also like you know with the turtles, like I think it's they're still, you know, if if you were to just be like, oh well, they're all the same characters, but they're human, like they still need to perform human mm -hmm. acts, like they're you know like all of their skills, they're not yeah, it's like they're not Superman, you know, like they're not yeah, like they're yeah, exactly, like they're not Thanos, they're not Iron Man, they're not flying around, they're not doing like these weird crazy impossible things i mean they're kind of impossible but but no more impossible than you know like you know some of the stuff that like bruce lee does yeah yeah <laughs> you know, it's like you, 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 you watch a bruce lee movie you're like well that i can't believe he did that and like and and he did but it was yeah. but it's like well yeah you just have like you know if, if, if it's a guy in a suit doing the same stuff it's like and, and the only time that it breaks the reality is if like the suit doesn't work yeah you no know, but but if the performer makes the suit work then it's like it's it's great like i love it but uh but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 all about the the, the classic, you know, turtles and suits stuff. But uh, that being said, our show was was 100% CG, so I thought our, the animators did an amazing job. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. And the choreography in that show, like, it seemed like you know, it was a cartoon, but it was still like the action sequences really well thought out. Like, it was fantastic. Like, it was really oh, good. Yeah, the, the board artists did an amazing, amazing job. And uh, you know, early on, they you know they had a, a, a martial arts advisor, and they would they would take reference. And, and so they would see all the uh, you know how, how all these moves would look and, and what they were called and so, and so that, that that helped a lot and there was we would always I know the artist was always be encouraged to like watch like you know watch old kung fu movies watch Bruce Lee watch you know like you know like mod, more modern things like Ip Man and, and anything to kind of get what martial arts look, looks like in the real world and then kind of you know apply it to, to the to the characters and then just plus it so it's like a little a little bit yeah. More than, than reality could could have, but still looks you know uh, real enough. Oh yeah, and if you feel it, it's not like it's not goofy. Like the action and the like the the moves they do and all that, it's really well thought out. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking of the first movie, um, and 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 the the uh, you know uh, one of the episodes you wrote, I was beyond thrilled when Tatsu showed up in Forgotten Swordsman. I was oh, like yeah. beside myself. So, yeah, that was that was that was great. That was because we wanted to do a, a, like a new villain, or you know, and that was that was the thing where where it was like you know we we were the the, the villain of that of that you know that little mini series was was Cavaxis. That mm-hmm. was you know that was the, the you know the dragon, but uh, we're like well. You know, we, in episode two, you know, I, you know, I got to do, uh, you know, the cry, you know, stories against cries rebuilding the Foot Clan, and like, and we needed to have like a villain for that episode. I'm like, why don't we bring it? Why don't we try to tease a new villain that's like that's the villain that's going to take over the Foot Clan? And I actually had to like, I, I went back into the lore and was like, okay, who in the lore would be like someone good to bring back? That's like, okay, we're doing. You know, like you know, someone that's going to re- t- you know take over the Foot Clan that thinks that they're owed the Foot Clan, and then like, and I kind of went back into the comics and the movie, and I was like, oh, and and it was like it was it was, it, and and Tatsu was like like on the top of the list. I'm like, well, we got to bring him back somehow. Like that would be cool. And uh, and I think there was another there was another character that I think we combined with him um, that was. Uh, uh, from the comics, and I can't remember who that is now. I, I wish I'd, I'd, I'd done some research for it, but uh, but yeah, we we'd kind of done. Can you combine Tatsu with somebody else to kind of get get him? And it was like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. Where you have like, you know, here's here's Tatsu again, and you know, set it up in a way that it, that it's like, okay, we totally think that he's gonna be like the next you know villain that Karai has to deal with the Foot Clan, and then immediately like she defeats him, and then boom, you know, Kabaxis kills him, and then <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> then they realized the real, the real thing. That was, that was, that was, that was, that was a hard episode to write because that was like trying to hold back the Kavaxis storyline just so I could tell that Karai story, and yeah, until like the very last moment where all Karai's trying to do with is just deal with this this blind swordsman. Like she's just like, I just need to deal with this guy. This guy's trying to take over the Foot Clan. I don't care about anything else that's happening. And then like she defeats him, and then like. Kavaxis shows up at the end. It's like, oh, this is happening now. Okay, I guess you guys weren't kidding. <laughs> I, I liked it because it was like, you know, and, and I was just thrilled to have him in it and like using that. And you made it look just like the guy. I don't know his name, but he, you, like, the fact that he looked like him, it kind of gave him that history, which like you believe that he's part of the story, even if we didn't know that part. Yeah, because there was there's always the the idea that there's more Foot Clan out there because Shredder. In episode one, or I guess it would be like the end of episode two, because it was the two-parter, like Shredder's in Japan. And then yeah. he's like, all right, well, prepare my jet. I'm going to New York. And then it's like, well, he doesn't bring the entire Foot Clan with him. There's got to be like people like there, right? So like, what's, what's that all about? And Cry was obviously in Japan until she showed up in like episode 13 or whatever it was. So uh, there was always the idea that like, well, there's there's Foot Clan back in Japan somehow, but no, we don't know who's really in charge of them. And that's... Uh, and the idea was that Karai was in charge of them until like that moment. Oh yeah, and I, I mean, like, I, I, I wish I remembered his name, but I'm like, I, I love the fact that it was like, like I said, as like an old school fan, like I was so thrilled that, that was the the because he only exists in the movies, and like every different iteration of the turtles has their own kind of shredder henchman. I mean, Karai is the same one, but like each one has their own sort of thing, and like for him to show up here, I was like, oh, I was such a treat for the like for me anyway. I, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, that, that was great. I, and even when even when I named him, I, I didn't expect them to try to like make him really look like him, like because you know you, you know you never know what they're what they're able to do. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a great little callback. It was great. I was thrilled by that. Um, you know, so we talked a little bit about this before. Um. Y- 
before we were on the air, but um, you were saying that in some ways the kind of the season four finale was kind of meant to be like kind of the sort of season series finale in a way. In in a way, because um, what's as we because that's kind of when you we wanted to wrap up. Uh, I guess you know the finale in the, in the sense that that's when the the Shredder Splinter story was going to be concluded. Mm. Uh, so you know we, that was you know we kind of like gone as far as we could, and I think you know I know Ciro and Brandon really wanted to really just you know wrap up their story and be like okay we're gonna complete kind of that bit of the lore and be like okay we're finishing off the the you know you know splinter and then he was gonna gonna die and then they were gonna have to you know finally you know finish off shredder for the last time and then really kind of end the you know the conflict with the foot clan at that point um and because and and i think you know this was earlier in the season like you know as you're building out seasons you don't know how many times you're gonna get picked up for another season uh so so part part of it had to do with well you know we didn't know if we were gonna pick up for a season five like that was still not you know on on the yeah that was still like a question mark so as we were kind of and you have to plan these things out so so far in advance um because of animation that that uh i know they were like well you know let's you know part of it was like a just in case we don't get picked up but also like it might be nice just to finish this up yeah and then um they started having ideas that like well if we're gonna do season five we, they should we should do um and, and uh and i think it was zero's idea but zero and brand really wanted to do like tales of the teenage Mutant ninja turtles like they wanted to do you know tales of the tmnt like from the the comics days where you could just jump around and so like well the idea was like let's just finish off like you know, almost like a comic book. Like, let's finish off the regular run of you know of the series here, and then the next season is going to be like a you know same continuity, same characters, same world. But like now we're not just doing one story at a time. We're going to be uh, you know jumping around a bit and and telling more standalone stories. Uh, and uh, the, you know the idea was to do like oh we're going to do like a little mini series and then maybe like a one off episode and then like another mini series but they were all going to be done in a way and a part of that was I you know I I think I I I'm never part of these conversations because I was too far down the totem pole but I think part of it was uh, kind of a you know an ask from the network that was like it's you know it's easier to rerun these episodes if you don't have to do like you know like I always air them in continuity mm. uh, so. So, so you know, in order to kind of like, you know, do the you know have the best of both worlds, I I, I think the 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 idea was like, well, if, you know, they can air them out of continuity, and then we're just going to do like little like you know you know three or four parters or one off episodes that kind of can be aired in whatever episode in, in whatever order they wanted. Um, and the only I think the only one that was like absolutely it needs to be aired. Well, we we knew that like going going in, we're like, oh well, the first episodes are going to be the kind of tale, you know, the tale of the Demo Dragon, which is the Cavaxis arc, which is he brings Shredder back from the dead. So, like, well, the only place that that could fit really in continuity would be like right after the season four finale. So, obviously, that's episode one. Mm-hmm. And then they knew they wanted to do uh, an after the bomb, uh, you know, episode or mini series, which uh, uh, I can't remember if that came from Tales or if that was just in the role playing game, but there was a role playing game that was like after the bomb that was like post apocalyptic and, and oh yeah, I forgot all about that. And and and, and, that, and, that, and that's kind of where like some of the, the you know the idea would be like oh it would be cool to kind of do a story like that. Uh, so we're like well that's gonna be that's gonna be like the far future, 
so that's obviously like the end. So that's the finale. So anything, everything else in between was going to be like we're just you know mixing, mixing and matching, uh, and that that kind of gave us the opportunity to do, to do the the you know this the Splinter and Turtles mm-hmm. origin uh, uh, that, that Kevin Eastman wrote. So that was really fun. That's a great episode. I, I so as a writer though, did you find that format um, like? freeing in some ways or like what was the what was the ups and downs oh, yeah. of that? it was very liberating it was it was it, it, I, I think in in a way it was more difficult because it was it became well we really have to tell a self-contained story in one episode or in just like a mini series that you know you're not going to leave any threads or to dangle out for like further down the line yep um and so we had to be like really efficient about the storytelling but on the other hand we kind of tell whatever we wanted. We're like, oh, well, great. Like, now we can do, you know, Usagi Ojimbo. Yeah. Now it's just like, oh, and we just, and that was really easy to do because we could just start it in Usagi's world and then the turtles come into it rather than have to be like, well, and now we're going to start in the city again and explain the turtles and then somehow they meet Usagi and they go and he comes into their world and they go into his world. We're like, no, we're just going to do it entirely in Usagi's world and then the turtles arrive. And I, lo- I love those. I, I didn't get a chance to write any of those, but those, but that was, I love that art because it was like, it was an Usagi Ojimbo show. Yeah. Just guest starring the turtles. Like, yeah, that was cool. Like they come into the world, but like it was really he's the the main character. Like he's he's it's his show. Like that whole that whole time, I love that. That was great. That was cool. Um, he looked great. Like it was a it, it, like if only that could have been a spinoff, that'd be great. Oh yeah, I mean I you know and I think there was a lot of stuff you know stuff that I mean who 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 knows what they have in the pipeline at Nickelodeon um, uh, concurrent with the, with the new the new series coming out, but uh, there were all these ideas of like oh well, let's do an episode here because we might be able to spin off a new Usagi series and and this is these are you know I mean this is not serious conversations it's all just sort of like you know like blue sky and be like oh well, it'd be it'd be neat if they did this but you know like because nobody's really you know uh, uh, you know really demanding it uh internally at Nickelodeon but like as far as just sort of like having fun you know uh, in the office or like oh it would be cool if they did like an Usagi series maybe you know this this can be a way to do it or it would be cool if they did a Bebop and Rocksteady series so like here's here's a Bebop and Rocksteady episode or you know uh, it'd be cool to do like a, a, a Mutanimal series or you know something like that so mm. um yeah and uh and and yeah, I mean, and, that, and I I don't I don't even know if those are actually things that were that whether or not they're you know they're uh, they're taken seriously or in, in develop those, but there's all of these things that were all like, oh, we can cool do this and do this, and we want to bring you know we knew we wanted to bring Mona Lisa back and and bring the Neutralizer back and and it'd be cool to have like them have an adventure on Earth, and so there was all these ideas that 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 we had and and like that Cyril wanted to do and Brandon wanted to do and and that I think you know really fun doing that last season so that was that was really freeing about it was it um so you were saying it it was uh Cyril and Brandon who like it was them who decided to change the format to meet those like because you always figure from the outsider's perspective like oh the network made them do this and I actually liked the way they did it but so it came from them like oh we can really have a lot more fun with this I mean, I, that was my impression, but I get mm. like I, you know, right. I wasn't in the, I wasn't in those conversations because it's always like, you know, that's why all the all, all the stuff I'm talking, you know, I basically say it's all mostly speculation because I, <laughs> right. you know, I'm not in the room when that, that stuff happens because like you know it's it's you know it would be Ciro and Brandon and they'd go into the into the uh, you know into the Nickelodeon offices and and they'd be talking about like okay well what's what do we, what's your vision for season five and like you know because every season you know when they do a pickup they're like okay if we're gonna pick you up what's it what's it gonna be mm. it's almost like you have to like a pitch a new season and every every time um 
and it, it, you know who who knows i mean it could have been like they went and be like we want to do this or it could have been a demand like i honestly i can't i can't you know right one way or the other but that was that i i i do know that they enjoyed doing that so i can i can i can say that much but uh but i i never i never know whose decision was to do what so was it always known that that would be the end um i i, I think so okay. um you know i there's always like a uh, like the hope that they're like, oh, we could always do more. It'd be great to do more, but um, but I but I think once we got to season five, it was like, well, this is you know, cartoons don't last that long. Like yeah. it was, it's rare that a, that that an animated show goes more than than four seasons. It's it's more rare that an animated show goes more than three seasons. So uh, so the the fact that we got the season five pickup, it was like, okay, this kind of feels like we might be doing the last season. Mm. Um, and it was one of those things where like, nobody really kind of discussed or talked about other than like, do you think we'll have more? I don't know. Maybe who, who knows? Like, I, I think, you know, I, I think we all felt like, you know, in, you know, in our, in our heart of hearts, like, well, we, I think this is probably going to be the last one, but I, I think, I don't think anybody really knew for sure, uh, until we got close to the end. So, well, I mean like from an outside, like, you know, as a fan, like, I, you know, People were like upset that the show was ending, and you know the you look at the old turtle shows ten years, but that's a bizarre anomaly. Like the best cartoons ever, like were three four seasons. Batman the animated series, like all these shows were only three or four seasons. So like the fact that turtles got what a hundred and twenty some episodes, that's a ton of stories that yeah, you're able to tell. It was more than that. It's like it's like almost like almost like a uh, almost two hundred episodes. Oh, was it? Oh wow, right? It's like over it's over ten seasons. Like, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, like, but even I'm saying the 2012 show. Oh, like, oh, you mean oh, you mean our show? Yeah. yeah you got yeah, to tell yeah. like all these episodes. Like that, you got to tell so many great stories. Like it's a like to ask for more is like we got it. We got a great yeah, show. We, yeah, we, I mean, we got to do almost everything that we wanted to do, and and, and honestly, like you know, it, it's I, I think it was it was you know for the you know we were running out of stories to tell. Like, it's mm -hmm. like, like once you hit like, you know, five episodes of a, of a, of a five seasons of a series, it's like, well, you're kind of running out of like things you can do. And I, and I think that's why the, 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 the tales season season five was like so freeing. It's like, okay, well now we can do all these stories that aren't hampered by like, Oh, well every time we're on this, this, this continuous arc, if we do like a little, like a standalone episode in the middle of that, then it kind of interrupts the flow with the story somehow. Um, and I always like, you know, I, I think the fans get, got really frustrated when we do that sometimes. They'd be like, oh, what's this filler episode doing here? Um, but I always like those episodes. I always like those episodes that would be like, okay, well, we're not doing that service, like whatever the arc is that's happening. It's just like this little like one-off. Like, oh, that's, that was kind of fun. That was like a fun episode. I always hate that, that term, filler episode. I mean, like sometimes I think like, you know, sometimes shows like, Walking Dead, it feels like, all right, well, we didn't need that. But, like, honestly, I feel like when it's, like, the term filler episode is, like, no, we learned a lot about the characters in that one. Like, Lone uh, Rat and Cubs, goodness, that's one of the best episodes of the series. And, I mean, like, if anything's a filler episode, that would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like, I, I was, I, you know, I always hated that that term because it's, like, you know, like, you know, filler to me is, like, the, you know, is the, the, the stuff they put inside Twinkies. It's, it's just there to take up space. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, a true a true filler episode of any TV show to me is, like, a clip show. It's, like, oh, uh, yes, um, yes. It's, it's, like, like, <laughs> it's, like, you literally need to, like, fill up airtime and you don't have, like, an episode to do it in. So let's just do a clip show. Yeah. Like, I mean, to me, that's what a filler episode is. Totally. Like, you know, like, it's not just, like, and and because I, I think there, it is used as, a, as you know as a pejorative like you know the, you know 
they're, they're not all, but I think there are some fans that are like, they, they just want to see the continuing story as though it's like, you're just watching like a really long movie. And so anything that's like adjacent to that, that like, you know, kind of takes a step back and be like, we're going to tell like this little character story or we're going to tell like this little fun story. Like they just think it's like a waste of time somehow or that, you know, you know, oh, we're just like, you know, can't come up with anything. So we're just going to do this and be like, well, everything is like, an effort to, to, to write. Everything is an effort to, to, to board and animate. So it's like it's not like we're just like phoning it in for for you know for an episode that takes like a year and a half to produce. So. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy because I mean like some of the best episodes too, like Lone Rat and Cub, Mondo Gecko is one of my favorite episodes, and that's just like one little funny story. Pizza Face, that, like that, that oh was, yeah, that one's great. I, I love Mondo Gecko. It's so it's so eighties. Oh yeah, bro, it's just a throwback episode. And Pizza Face. That is like one of my favorite episodes. Me too. It's I great. Laugh. <laughs> I laugh at that one so much, and and I like I know that I know that people are really. I think there are some fans I think that are very divided on that episode. Like, oh really? Some fans that love it, and there are some fans that just hate that episode. And I'm like, it's fun. It's just a fun, yeah. like silly episode with like Mikey just fighting a giant pizza man. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I I love that what's, one. What's not to love about that? Yeah. Like, you know, he he has like a little. He has like I think there's two songs in it or something, right? Like he's like he's like got like his little like rap or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like it's fun. Like it's it, I I like that episode. That one's fun. Mikey had a lot of those good ones. Mondo Gecko, the one where they went in Mikey's brain. Like they man, it's some good standalone filler episodes of Mikey that are some of the best episodes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, like the Neutrino episode with yeah. Mikey's mind. Oh, man, that one was fun. That one was so much fun. Um, I've always been a Donnie guy, but I always, I, but I feel like had I not grown up, like if I had grown up now, Mikey might be my favorite. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Mikey was great at the show. And I, I, I mean, and I got to like, give a lot of props to Greg Sipes because he oh, yeah. gave it such a great performance every time. Like he's, he, he was, he was such a fun actor. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love, I love all of them. Like, I, I was, I was like, grew up lo- loving Donnie. So. Oh, you were a Donnie guy? Yeah, I was I was always a Donnie guy, uh, but that, that's because that's I mean that was just me. I was just like a big tall lanky nerd, so yeah. I was like that's what worked for me. <laughs> I talked to Rob Paulson recently for this, and I was like, I, I, I still go back. I was I was so thrilled when they cast him as Donnie. I was like, and then he was fantastic as Donnie. He was great. He was so good. And, yeah. And, and and people were so used to him being, you know, Raphael on the 80s show. They're like, well, how is that going to work? But, like, it just – it worked out. And like, yeah. It's, there is – and I love that moment when we did the crossover and it's like you have, like, you know – Rob Paulson talking to Rob Paulson as Donnie and Raphael, and you're like, oh, that it, it, there's a slight difference slight. in like the, the cadence. It's just like the, just just a slight like his voice is the same, but there's just like a slight difference in his cadence that you're like, okay, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, and, it, and, and, and yeah, he and he was a great Donnie. Like, and you know, his Donnie was very different. Like, he was nerdy and cocky, and but it was, I I I love him as both. He was fantastic. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was my favorite. I, I loved him. I loved him. You know, I, I think that about wraps things up. I'm going to ask a question that I don't think you'll be able to answer. But um, okay. who dropped the mutagen bomb? Oh, uh... N- uh n- no one. That was... That was the... that was I blame the Krang for that, man. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh... You know, I, uh... Well, you know... I don't know. I, I, don't, think, I don't think we ever really figured that... I, that's that I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave that up to speculation all right yeah uh, so it's it's it uh let's see it could have been 
you know, because when I think about it, I'm like, well, I don't know if the Krang came back. So, because the, cause the Krang were kind of, the Utron were freed, so maybe it's not the Krang. So, I don't know. I don't know who, yeah, I, I, I never really thought about it, because I was like, well, that, that was always going to be a mystery, but uh, that would be a fun story to tell. Like, who dropped the mutation bomb? I follow Cironielli's uh, Instagram, and I think at some point he's like, oh, I'd like to tell that story some point, like in a comment or something. Because pe- I, I saw people arguing on his Instagram that, it was a what if episode, and he's saying like, "No, it's the finale." I, I would know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if anybody knows, it's him. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, it, you know, and and that's one of those things where it's like, you know, if you're, it's all fiction anyway. So like, if if you want to believe that it's a what if episode, that's that's I think that's totally valid. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I was it was it was designed to be like that's like the the future it is and. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know. That's I think that's that's just probably in Ciro's mind. Whoever dropped the mutagen bomb, I, w- I always thought that somehow the you know maybe the Krang came back or maybe some rogue mutants got a hold of mutagen or mm. I don't know. I, that's a that's a good that's a good question for speculation. Yeah, I can't you know I, obviously I can't answer that for real. But uh, whatever you know wh- whatever you think it is until Ciro uh, tells that story. <laughs> it was Pigeon Pete. That's what it was. That's. <laughs> That's what I should have said. I should have said Pigeon Pete. That's it. Pigeon Pete's revenge. Yeah, exactly. That's why we don't talk about him because he went mad and that's built why, a mutagen that's bomb. That's why we don't talk about him. He, he went bad, and it's like it's like he get he gets he's locked up in like the you know like in, in the cells and the in the in the older dimension or something like that, and then he he breaks out and exactly. He's like, I'm gonna get you all. <laughs> Well, you know, that's that's such an 80s cartoon thing, too, where there's like the like the character that just like you never see again. And then they come back and they're like this villain. You're like, wait, you're this goofy thing. Yeah, this pensive nerd. Baxter Stockman's the perfect example. Like this little Stockman where you're like, oh, yeah, he's just like like, I'm trying. I I think I I, I feel like I'm derailing the conversation. But I remember like like watching that again recently and it'd be like, wait, like Baxter's just kind of like. He's just like this out of work scientist that just can't sell his stuff on. Uh, I, like all he's trying to do is just like you know go on like the Home Shopping Network and sell his little like you know like to- toy robots. Like that's yeah. all he wants to do. And then it's like and then like Shredder just picks him up and like oh you know how to build robots I'm gonna I'm gonna you know make you do some stuff. And then some like somewhere along the way he turns evil and you're like all right I guess that works. Yeah, like especially the old show he's just a sort of like unfortunate misanthrope that like gets wrapped in this whole universe yeah it's like he never asked it's like i mean like every other version of like baxter stockman like he you know he you know he is like you know a bad guy in some way like, yeah he he's a jerk like, yeah crime like oh you know, he's gonna he wants to you know take over the world or he wants to use mousers to, to rob banks or something like that but, but like but the baxter stockman of the 80s show is just sort of like i just want to build robots man like i don't know how i got wrapped i don't know how i got into this 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 mess it's so sad like it's just and then he bonds with that i don't know if you remember the later series he like made a friend out of this living computer thing and he like oh my god i totally forgot about that yeah. the computer which he makes a friend with he's just his friend and, and that was and that was i remember like like and when i was a kid i remember seeing them like basically at the end of every episode he somehow gets like vaporized yep. or like transported like between like not even to dimension x like he had true get transported between dimensions and yep. so like he would just be like in limbo trapped, like in limbo forever like and that it would happen like all the time yeah and like all right well i, I guess we're just you know, he's just like stuck like i don't know I don't know what he does for food, <laughs> but, and then it's like him, yeah, him and the, the little computer chip. That's like a, like it was, 
and that was confusing because it was like it was like a like an AI. It was like it was something like Skynet kind of thing. Yeah, it was like AI and a computer, and he has like the. But then it turns into like a like a a portable computer somehow, mm-hmm. with like a face on the screen. Like there was. That had that show had some wacky stuff in it. That was that was that was weird. <laughs> you know, it's funny is if I, you know, and I I've never done this, but now I really want to is just to go back and watch only his episodes. It's probably the most depressing so- story arc of any character. Yeah, just just tell like his story from his point of view and be like, oh, like he's just like you know he's he's like this scientist and he's down on his luck and he's just trying to build robots and he just wants to like sell toys or whatever and it's like everyone's like no 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 and like and then like he gets kidnapped by shredder yeah and then he's forced to like do all this stuff and like why me what did i do <laughs> like i didn't ever hurt anybody now and uh, now i'm like you know like this criminal like that's trying to like kill mutant turtles all the time do you remember uh and do you remember barney stockman no okay so there's an episode of the old show where Raph- Raphael wants to become a stand-up comedian and he and other stand-up comedians are doing like this improv hour or whatever it is. And like they're all kind of like Jackie Mason type comedians or like, you know, uh, Alan King, like archetypes of real comedians. And he and those comedians are kidnapped. And I forget who the bad guy is. I think it's like the gangster bad guy. And it's Baxter and he's back as a human, not a, not a, not a fly. And it turns out it's his twin brother with the exact same personality and the exact same knowledge base and he creates this rope this this uh machine that like hypnotizes the whole city but barney is like continuously mad that people keep calling him baxter and he's he's barney stockman and it's this ridiculous story <laughs> that's funny I don't, I don't think i remember that one i'll have to go go look that one up somehow yeah it's, it's, it's just i think they just wanted baxter back for an episode like, oh wait he's a fly Ah, eh, it's his brother whatever like yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Peter, this is a lot of fun. I really appreciate this. Oh yeah, sure. Glad, glad to do it. Glad to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, hopefully I could be, you know, get, get a little bit. I, I feel like I went on a little couple of rambles and rants, but uh, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was glad to do it. Thanks no, for having me on. Oh, that's the fun of it. We was talking to Ken Mitroni, who's one of the early artists, um, and we talked about Jack Benny for half the time. It was like complete sidebars. So. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Usually, usually my conversations usually just devolve into like talking about like Star Wars and Transformers. So it, I, I feel like it's pretty good that I'd managed to not talk about them until now. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> well, you know, Peter, uh, that kind of covers it. Uh, thank you so much. I also want to say a thank you to the Turtle Track, uh, the Turtle Flakes podcast, who we're doing this podcast in conjunction with, and uh, that about wraps it up. So thank you so much. All right, thank you. Take care. All right, thanks. Shell shock pizza kings can't stop these radical dudes. The secret of the ooze made the chosen few emerge from the shadows to make their move. The good guys win and the bad guys lose. Leonardo's a leader in blue. Does anything it takes to get his ninjas through. Donatello is a fellow, has a way with machines. Raphael's got the most attitude on the team. Michelangelo, he's one of a kind. And you notice where to find him with his party time.